I Kick It. This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Gramuga. Colin Ashley. Emilio Diaz. All right, we've got a little bit of a grab bag episode today. Uh, nothing huge going on. We're still waiting on Berlin to start in about a week, I think. But yeah, we've got South by Southwest is coming up in March. Their schedule has been out for a little while. So we're going to go over that to the extent that we retain interest in it. (laughs) We also all watched Beach Rats in anticipation of Eliza Hittman's new movie, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which we talked about numerous times when discussing Sundance and also... We'll be discussing again based on what reception it gets in Berlin. And then we'll be coming out in about a month in U.S. theaters. But before we get to that, we've got a little bit of news. Uh, Saved Yourselves has been picked up for distribution by Bleecker Street, which is somewhat surprising considering I didn't hear much about it. And Bleecker Street's a pretty big studio. But then again, they pick up all sorts of random crap. I believe they had Official Secrets last year, another movie that I heard nothing about out of Sundance. What are some of Bleecker Street's bigger movies? Because for some reason, they're like forever ingrained in my mind. It's just because when I went to like the indie theater here in Puerto Rico, they would just play the trailer for Papi Leon a lot, that random (laughs) Charlie Hunnam, Rami Malek Mm -hmm. movie. So that's the only movie I ever associate them with in my head for some reason i am associating them in my head with brian cranston i don't even know what movie that's about they put out the assistant yeah right it's like captain fantastic was one of theirs uh, uh art of self-defense okay yes. art of self-defense i have watched yeah leave no trace those are real yeah. movies yes leave no trace trombo looks like it was one of theirs that's why probably why you got okay yep Trumbo. Seems like they put out both Unsane and Logan Lucky. So yeah. yeah, they had uh, some weird deal with Soderbergh and Amazon, I think, where they were handling yes. distribution for the Soderbergh like had well, and like Soderbergh was like running the show on that, right? He had like yes. ideas yes. of how that should happen that mostly turned out to not work. Hmm. Lots of big ideas in that big bald head of him. Yeah, they generally, before Amazon started doing their own distribution, they handled a lot of it. They did Lost City of Z, they did Patterson. Yeah, so they're they're solid distributors. Like, all these movies were in a bunch of theaters. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, they reliably make their way to, like, my areas, which is, you know... I guess a fairly okay barometer. I live in like a mid-sized city, so um, that's that's usually good sign that uh, that that I'll get a chance. Um, did you hear anything like critically at all about Save Yourselves? It seems like I saw a few positive tweets. I had to go searching for them. I think yeah. Uh, to remind everyone what this movie is, it stars Sunita Mani and. John Reynolds is a couple who go off to kind of disconnect themselves and when they return to society find out that it has been invaded by aliens. 
I believe John Early is also in it. Fun cast. Amy Sedaris. Hail as old as time. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah, it seems like the sort of like f- sort of fun, slightly high profile, uh, high concept, uh, rather thing that you'll like. That I that I feel like maybe won't be like an in theaters hit, but like will be a streaming hit once it hits streaming. Like the sort of thing that everyone can say, like, "Hey, this is a really good little movie. You should check it out." Um, and then a lot of people do, and they you know, have a good time with it. It'll maybe yep. get uh, retroactively awarded the jury prize at Sundance and prove me correct. <laughs> that sounds reasonable. A rare correction from the Sundance Film Festival. <laughs> Guys, we're willing to own up. We missed the mark on this one. <laughs> Ethan Hawke was tired. He slept through it. He's seen it now. He's on board. <laughs> yes, exactly. Ethan Hawke comes out and just like shrugs and is like, sorry, guys. <laughs> Yeah, everybody put it number one, and they just assumed that they were doing it ironically, so they went with everybody's number two, Minari. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got some trailers for a couple movies that we talked about last week in our discussion of Cannes, The Green Knight and The French Dispatch. I think both of those trailers look really good. Agree. Yeah, both incredibly striking trailers. Yes. I like... That French Dispatch, I like when movies look good, and I like it when they have colors and when they don't. So I'm on board. How do you feel about people's mm-hmm. heads catching on fire spontaneously? Also good. Yeah. <laughs> Giant hands crossing a hill. <laughs> I like it when Fox do go a woo. That's a good part in the Green Knight trailer. Uh, let me see. Other good parts. I like it when the crown descends on his head. That's mm-hmm. a good part. Yeah. When the little puppet gets its head chopped off, that's good. Also a great part. Yes, the recurring puppetry good. motif. I am all in on that. Yeah. I think we should have more movies that feature puppetry. Of course. Yep. No question. <laughs> Can I kick it officially a pro puppets podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're, yeah. Let's do it. Let's. Let, can we? Uh, we need to change the artwork, Emilio. We need to incorporate that into our artwork now, please. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. <laughs> um. No puppet. Oh, oh boy. Uh, and yeah, uh, French Dispatch. Uh, yeah, I think you know lots of big actors given big performances in there. Um, yeah. It's got all the all the uh, aspect ratio changes and things that you come to know and love from Wes Anderson. Um, yes. Yeah, it I certainly mean, he... looks in line with the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes, and I think Wes Anderson is, is a filmmaker who has, has always like given good trailer, just because of like his style of filmmaking really lends itself to that. There's like lots of like you know witty one-liners and uh and uh striking shots that look good um so so yeah it's it's nice to see that he's continuing on in that and you know that we can enjoy that at, at the very least we've gotten that trailer out of the whole thing even if the movie turns out to be a yeah, he doesn't really make duds i guess that's a controversial statement based on his last movie that we don't need to dig into hmm, hmm. 
doesn't make sense. No, I don't interesting. Think so. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like all of the people in it. They were all good. Mm-hmm. I like seeing people give performances with mustaches. I don't know. <laughs> Looks like a Wes Anderson movie. What do you want from me, Jesus Christ? Story credit by Jason Schwartzman, which I didn't know until the second time I watched the trailer. Pretty mm-hmm. interesting. I missed that as well. Yeah. And I do, I just, the, the, uh, all the acting credits and then, like, that, uh, like, you think, like, they've gone through them all and then there's, like, another card that's, like, full of acting credits. It just, like, yeah, yeah it gets my heart running, like, oh, man, all the actors are gonna be in this one. You said, you think Jason Schwartzman, like, read, like, a treatment of the story and was, like, what if everybody was just, like, 30% more of an asshole, though? I'll be excited to see the breakdown of, uh, like personal ballots of what's lead or who's lead who's supporting with that big of an ensemble. Yeah, I mean it looks like Bill Murray's maybe the sole lead. Although who knows? I guess I guess it depends on how you consider like framing stories versus like featured like shorter stories within movies and how you think about yes. that lead and supporting in that sense. Yeah, there's definitely a world in which people are like, well, Benicio Del Toro and Timothy Chalamet are the leads of their part. So we'll see how that goes. Do we just want to start going down this list of South by Southwest movies? Sure. Yeah, there's not a ton here. Yeah, it's we could yeah. just uh, make a we little shout out anytime we, can... we get excited about an actor. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to read all of these lists. Certainly there's not. A, there's a lot of stuff here. Right. And I mean, well, the whole list that we're pulling from, which is on the official South by Southwest website, if you want to uh, check it out for yourself, does include things like Texas high school shorts and, like, pilots that people have submitted and stuff. So there's, like, a lot of stuff from a very wide pool of formats and, like, notoriety levels of the people submitting them. Um, yes. But it looks like yeah, the uh, the the big stuff, right? The stuff that like you'll you'll hear about these like things premiering, and uh, I think the reputation that South by Southwest tends to have is like you'll hear a lot of hype for these movies, and then they will be kind of disappointing when you see them in actually in theaters. Um, yeah, uh, is would would mostly be the narrative feature competition, I believe. Yeah, though the thing about the narrative feature comp. I don't even know about that. I think it might be more yeah. the narrative feature competition or a lot of stuff by pe- both actors and directors I have never heard of. Yes. And it I mean, sounds there's... like a lot, a lot of quirky stuff. It sounds like a parody of Sundance stuff like eight, seven years ago. <laughs> yeah. Looks like there's two two movies starring Jessica Barden. I don't really know who that is, but did I make that up? Is she only in oh. one? No, she's in two. Um, yes. She's on that show, The End of the Fucking World. Oh. She's in... Uh, she's like... She's in Holler, directed by Nicole Regal, where she... Uh, looks like both of these are college-based. Uh, this one, in order to pay for her education, she uh, joins a dangerous scrap metal crew. Pamela Adlin and Becky Ann Baker are also in that. And then there's Based another on one. Short. Uh, another one that she is the star of. 
called Pink Skies Ahead, directed by Kelly Oxford, in which life unravels for a wild young woman after dropping out of college, moving in with her parents, and being diagnosed with an anxiety order. If you replace wild young woman with staid young man, you've got exactly my life story. <laughs> yeah, I believe that is based on an essay that Kelly Oxford wrote. I'm Kelly Oxford, one of the big... Research. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> one of the big, like, early Twitter people. Like, oh. um, That one's like got a lot, of, my dad uh, says, a lot of big Kelly support. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people in the cast. Marsha Gay Harden, Michael McKean, Henry Winkler, Rosa Salazar, Louis Pullman, Mary J. Blige. So that could be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Maybe that will win the narrative feature competition <laughs> at South by Southwest with such illustrious winners as Jesse Edit and previous winners here. <laughs> Crescia won. I don't remember anything yeah. else, but that's a good movie. Sure. sure. <laughs> the only other thing here with like a cast here is a movie called Violet. Directed by Justine Bateman. Yes. She stars Olivia Munn, Justice Theroux, a couple of us. Laura Sangiacomo is in it. Which is about a film development executive realizes that guiding voice, quote unquote, inside her head has been lying to her about everything. Which is like, sure, that might be awful and it might be decent. I don't know. What's Olivia Munn been up to these days? I actually don't know what she's been up to post Sloan Sabbath. Yeah, I was just saying newsroom. <laughs> she was in uh, X-Men Apocalypse, of course. Oh, right, correct. She was in X-Men Apocalypse. There's there's a movie called Shit House, directed by and starring and written by Cooper Rafe, who seems to be a up-and-coming writer, director, actor. He's also got a TV show coming up on his IMDb page, but that also stars Dylan Galula, of whom I'm a fan. Yeah. Amy Landacker. Yes. Um, Just doing a little research on the fly here. The last year, the uh, the winner of the narrative feature competition was a movie called Alice, defected by Josephine McCarris. So, not familiar uh, with sure. that movie. Uh, yeah, I don't remember hearing about that at all. Good, good for her. Uh, yeah. We can move on to the documentary competition, feature competition, but even there, there's not much to get excited about. There's a movie that appears to be about Wakali Wood, the Ugandan film industry that I think kind of was started by this one guy who has been referred to, including in this summary, as Africa's Tarantino. I mean that yeah I guess that that sounds cool yeah that seems like mm-hmm. a, a subject ripe to mind. There's a yeah. There's a, a yep. Del Close documentary. Yeah, the second Del Close documentary after the one that premiered on CISO several years ago. What if they just renamed that one and <laughs> putting it out since CISO is not a thing anymore? <laughs> it seems possible. I think yes. I do think 
I think of CISO and South by Southwest as having a close relationship. I feel like there were a few things that premiered at South by Southwest that like quite possibly South by Southwest, the CISO of film festival. <laughs> I mean, that's probably not fair considering South by Southwest still exists. That's true. Does hmm. it something about dogs? Stuff? Right. It, yeah, a, a movie that looks like an oh, that's nice, really contender. That you can like put on for your grandparents, and it's like, oh, like look at this nice like thing about dogs, and like you know, no one will, no one will have a bad time with it, really. Yeah, and more than in the feature one, I I can feel like there might be a couple documentaries here that might actually be good, but I am not well versed enough in this world to know if they will be good. But a couple of them seem to have interesting subjects for sure. Yeah, I believe that. Their reputation in terms of documentaries is slightly better than it is in terms of narrative film. Yeah, like I'm looking, and, I'm looking right, right now. Last year, the winner was Forsama, which sure, is fairly notable. I keep trying to not say narrative film because documentaries are also a narrative form. Though fiction film is also weird because some uh, non-documentaries are based on true stories, but fiction film is probably more accurate. Yeah, I mean. uh the way it's this, the way the distinction is made on the South by Southwest page is narrative and documentary. So yes, that how that's I will true. That's fair for today. Yeah. We'll when, revisit that later, maybe. Yeah. The headliners is where there's more. Yes, that's names. what I was yes. referring to earlier when I said like, oh, you'll hear about the like last year. This is or, or this is a couple years ago. This is where um, Ready Player One premiered. Um, sure. Stuber, I think, came out last year from here. Um, Did uh, was us there? I think us was have been. Us may have been a headliner. Um, the uh, Beach Bum also last year. Um, Sausage right. Party, I remember notoriously being, I think, like a sneak preview screening that everyone was like, "Ooh, Sausage Party! One great, hysterical!" And boy, is that not. <laughs> yeah uh baby driver maybe like the biggest success in terms of like it felt like it was maybe leveraging the buzz out of south by a little bit and as it went on to become a fairly big hit maybe certainly not as good a movie as us or the beach bum sure well that's a conversation <laughs> no you right, agreed yeah. you agreed yeah we got it we're, we're not gonna have that conversation right now <laughs> I will spare our listeners that, you know, you want to hear me say some things about one of the movies that I just uh, unwittingly agreed to being good, uh, tune in for our best of the year of 2019 episode coming who knows when. Let's say a month-ish. Sure. But yeah. Ish is a good way to describe it. Yeah, so... some of the movies that are headlining this year, I think the biggest one is probably The King of Saturn Island, which is... Judd Apatow's comeback, kind of? Yeah, his previous Five movie years. was also a, a headliner at South by Southwest, Trainwreck. Yeah, he hasn't made a movie since Trainwreck, which was quite a while ago. He's been focusing, I guess, more on TV. Five years ago, I think. Yeah. Um, it's got, you know, it's it's got a real, like, Judd Apatow-sounding uh, premise where he's, like, taking, like, a, a comedic persona, in this case, Pete Davidson, and sort of, you know, making something that is, like, fairly true to life with, like, a big cast who, including members of his family, 
who all seem like they would be comfortable uh, taking uh, alt lines from him from behind the camera. Mm-hmm. You got Marissa Tomei, Bill Burr, Belle Powley, um, who had a... Belle Powley, I'm interested to see how she continues to to move along. She had a breakout in um, Diary of a Teenage... Or, um, his Diary of a Teenage Girl. Yeah, Diary... Movie, right? yeah. Yes, Diary um, of a Teenage the, Girl. Uh, Wonderful uh, movie. Yes, and then um, I saw her in White Boy Rick, where she gave all of the performances in one uh, as, a, uh, as a as a girl struggling with drug addiction. Um, and uh, yeah, I would I would like to see her continue to, to get good notices and things. I believe White Boy Rick has the distinction of being Emilio's favorite movie that he's never seen. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, watch that trailer, dog. Tell me that shit doesn't get you rocked up. <laughs> rocked up? <laughs> we don't need to go. <laughs> we don't... I'm so tired. <laughs> well, there needs to be a Beastie... Well, there's also a Beastie Boys documentary yes. directed by Spike Jones. Yep. I believe that was shot in IMAX and is going to be released to IMAX screen sometime this spring. That's a Spike Jones movie I am seeing, which he has Yes, it is. Has he he hasn't has he made anything that is like feature length since her? No. No, I'm not positive that this is feature length either. Mm. It may be, but it might be more of like a, I feel like I may be read somewhere. It's more of like a 45 minute I may be just talking out of my ass. <laughs> I'm interested in that. I like the Beastie Boys. They have an interesting story. Yeah. I got that big coffee table book that they came out with a few years ago. That's pretty interesting stuff. Spike Jones, uh, a talented director. Yeah, directed Certainly. some of their better music videos, such as Intergalactic and Sabotage. So, long relationship there between mm-hmm. those guys. We've got uh, Bad Trip, which is sounds like just basically an Eric Andre show movie. Yeah, it looks um a bit more like uh Bad Grandpa than Jackass of the two right. descriptors it's given where it's got some sort of narrative through line mm-hmm. to it. Um which I've never seen Bad Grandpa, but Yeah, I mean I yeah. like prank movies not typically my speed, so Really? <laughs> You're such a cutout. <laughs> yeah, you know, you I just, on. you know, I just, I just really think that we should make fun of normal people more. And I don't think that prank movies go far enough in revealing how ignorant and dumb most people are. Your pranks that you like are more like whoopee cushions and like electric pins. Well, see, I my number one is a good surprise pie in the face. Mm. That's always exciting. Yes. Now who's getting rocked up? <laughs> <laughs> There's also the lovebirds. Yes, I'm really yeah. excited for that one. I think that one looks cool. Um, it's uh, a new Michael Showalter movie, uh, and it's got Issa Rae and Camille Nanjiani, uh, who like, so, like Paul Sparks. Uh, yes, and it's like a, like, they they somehow unwittingly are, like, accomplices to a crime, and then sort of go on the run as, 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 as a result of that, 
Um, you know, maybe a little bit of like the slightly underwhelming movie Date Night uh, vibes from it, but uh, I like Michael Showalter a lot. Uh, it's also got a little bit of those um, uh, uh, similarities to uh, his to Search Party, the TBS show that he is like heavily creatively involved with. Um, so so yeah, I, th- I think I, I like those two stars. I think them doing like a big comedy uh, action movie uh, could be something that I would be into. The trailer for that one's out. It looks pretty fun. Yeah. Sure. No opinion. Joe Walter's yeah. last movie was uh, Big Sick. Yeah, and he's got an also upcoming with movie with Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield. I oh, believe. right, where they're like uh, they're like um, mega church preachers, right? Yes. Like yeah. The last thing here on the headliners is something called L.A. Originals, which is, seems to be about Chicano and like L.A. street culture. It's probably good. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No idea. Moving on. We've got the narrative spotlight competition, which that tends to be, I think, where most of the best mo- movies come out of South by Southwest, particularly narrative movies. Um, Support the Girls was in this category several years ago. What's the other one? I sort of trust last year. Oh, was that um, uh, the Chris Morris movie with Anna Kendrick? What? That was the last Chris year Moore? as well, right? Oh, yeah. Maybe. I, I forget what that movie is called. Last year, the narrative spotlight, the audience award winner was the Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, and yeah. That movie, uh, did uh, surprisingly well in theaters. Um, and also, the, oh. the stars appeared on the Oscars. I guess this is my time to chime in from last week, if I can derail for a moment. Uh, what's with the shade you guys are throwing at Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> what shade was thrown at him? You guys are saying that uh, there was someone who had a movie with... Uh, oh, right. I believe Jesse... Vanessa Kirby... And you were saying that it didn't seem like a like a can worthy cast or something. Right, yeah. Jesse I think called him low rent or something. Yeah, I was <laughs> Yeah. I did. I would I would stand by that. Child of yeah. low rent. I mean, I don't know. Part of it is that I don't I don't trust a Cornell Mundrusco as much as a an Andrea Arnold. I just had to say my piece on that. Also, uh, I'll stump for the other Coppola movie. The Gia Coppola movie also has um, Vine star Casey Fry in it, so that's got me amped. Mm-hmm. I'll clarify. I think it is specifically the combination of Vanessa Kirby and Shia LaBeouf that feels a little low rent. I feel like you get one of those people and then, like, someone with like a little more prestige and then i'm like oh that's a cool cast like if you're talking shia labeouf and riley keogh sure yeah yeah yeah. that's an interesting cast it's just the two of them together feels very like a blind reach for american audiences 
like who 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 do who do the Americans like? They like Vanessa Kirby and Shia LaBeouf. Maybe he was just a fan of her work on Hobbs and Shaw. Of course. Anyway, back to narrative's spotlight. Yeah, <laughs> uh, nothing's uh, actually sticking out to me here. I'm John Leguizamo in... directed something. Uh, yeah. Screenwriter Dino Montiel, uh, his film "A Guide to Recognizing Your States" with a great Shia LaBeouf performance. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've had Shia LaBeouf with you. Oh, I'm interested in Cutthroat City, the Rizzo movie. Seems like it has a good cast. It's not some problematic members of the cast, but <laughs> you know, sometimes you just want to see a movie set in New Orleans. And you want to see the director of Man with the Golden Fist make it? Iron Fist? I don't even know what that movie is called anymore. I think it's Iron. Um, Prentice Penny has a movie. Prentice Penny, uh, I believe, is the showrunner on uh, Easter Ray's Insecure, which I've seen most of. Uh, and I think he wrote for Happy Endings, too. Yes. Um, so I'm interested to see him branching into the feature filmmaking. His movie's called Uncorked. And it's about a young man who wants to become a sommelier, but his dad wants him to run his family's Memphis barbecue restaurant. So a nice uh, generational cult, um, conflict story there. Nisi Nash is really good cast. Advance. Yeah. Gillozeri. Yeah, I love Gillozeri. Here's something, maybe a little bit of gossip. I Used to Go Here is a movie starring Gillian Jacobs and Jermaine Clement where uh, she plays like a, a writer who is invited to speak at her alma mater by her mentor and former professor played by Clement, which that maybe suggest I don't know, I feel like that wording suggests that there's something weird between them, but uh... Director and screenwriter Chris Ray, all of most of her previous credits, including her uh, last directorial credit, Unexpected, are as Chris Swanberg. I don't know if she is no longer married to Joe Swanberg or if she merely changed her last name. But I quite liked Unexpected. I saw that at the Maryland Film Festival in 2015. That starred Kobe Smulders and uh, maybe the least grading Anders Holm performance. <laughs> he's not good in it, but I've seen he could be he's he could he's he's been more disastrous. I think. Yeah, I mean, I love Gillian Jacobs. As she's one of those people that I'm always rooting for. Um, yeah, I think she's. A tremendous talent so her starring in a movie uh something i love to see a cursory google search uh shows that the swanbergs are still together so it appears okay. she might just be using a different name huh that's interesting Je jesse and colin with the t report <laughs> yeah the t the t two people are <laughs> still together famous mumblecore couple <laughs> lawrence michael uh, levine and uh Sophia to call. There's also there's a movie called The Show, which is directed by a guy named Mitch Jenkins. I'm not familiar with, but it's written by Alan Moore. Um, right. 
yeah. comic book fame, right. Alan Moore, and also, creator yes, of Watchmen, loner kook fame, and, and it stars Tom Burke, which is I did not see this. Yeah, always, always gotta stand some Tom Burke. <laughs> Tom Burke. <laughs> I want to say I looked this <laughs> movie up, up, and there's a a previous Jenkins Moore collaboration. I also think there might be set photos. Yeah, there is a photo from the movie on Variety, which is just a guy who seems to be a moon man sat on a moon. So, uh huh. Their know, their previous cool. collaboration is called Show Pieces, which is a anthology film. Oh yeah, that is a guy in a, in a with a moon head sitting on a crescent moon with a ukulele. And they've also done some shorts together. Uh, there's a movie called The Quarry, uh, written and directed by Scott Teams, who was a writer on the Sundance show Rectify, which I've heard very good things about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it stars Shay Wiggum and Michael Shannon, two of the greats, uh, about a fugitive who kills a traveling preacher and assumes his identity. I think that's Shay Wiggum. And the local police chief is Michael Shannon. Um, mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah. Give me that. Yeah, I will see that movie. I was just gonna say you. Would t- I think you would typically cast Michael Shannon as the mysterious fugitive and Shea Wiggum as the police chief. So that's an interesting reverse. Maybe. I feel like Michael Shannon's done his share of uh, South by Southwest movies that go nowhere. Let's see. Anything in the documentary spotlight? Sticking out. Um, Console Wars, which is based on the Blake Harris book, seems to be co-directed by Blake Harris about Sega, try, Sega's marketing team trying to take down Nintendo in the early '90s. I believe there's, always, there's also going to be like an FX show by Jonah Hill about Console Wars or a movie or something. I thought uh, yeah, it I think, was uh, Point Grey bought the rights to it. I thought it was Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg that were doing that. Yeah. This is, yeah, but there was definitely a, a narrative thing and a documentary thing, and this is the documentary. Yeah. And it seems to just be a, the book, but as a documentary. Console yeah. Wars Wars. <laughs> yes. There's the movie Clerk by Malcolm Ingram, which is just a documentary about Kevin Smith, which seems like something that would be at South by Southwest. Yeah. yeah Malcolm Ingram, I believe, a... Uh friend of kevin smith's who uh has directed documentaries in the past oh there's a movie Uh, called nine to five the story of a movement which is from the directors uh julia reichert and steve bognar of american factory and that's about it looks like the some of the true stories that inspired the film nine to five that might be interesting. Yeah, I liked American Factory a lot. I think they're they they have interesting uh, voices and a, and, a, and a style that I that I like. So yeah, there's a documentary about David Arquette. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was about to say the same. <laughs> uh huh. He just it was him in wrestling. He was the WCW World Champion as a promotion for the movie Ready to Rumble. And he got a lot of hate from wrestling fans, which you can't believe were 
very angry group of people. That might be interesting. Who knows? Has anyone here seen Ready to Rumble? I have not. I've seen clips from it. I think I've seen clips from the like actual match on like WCW where he won the, that championship. And you can see the people boo him immediately. It's pretty fun. Um, what else? There's also something here called Insert Coin, which seems to be a movie about a... Uh, yeah, a movie about Midway, which is like the video game company that created Mortal Kombat and NBA Jam and stuff, which might be... F- it actually might be kind of funny, because the, the, there's a video game, what's it called, Giant Bomb, which is like a bunch of guys who like make videos about playing games and stuff, and they're friends with a lot of people who were like original Mad- Midway people who played with... who create who worked on the original like Mortal Kombat and stuff, and all those guys were like, seem to be crazy drunks. So that might be a fun thing to to watch. I don't know. Uh, there's the scheme, which is about uh, Christian Dawkins, who was a um, he he like worked with the NCAA uh, and was I guess it says that he was hustling the FBI in a scandal that was trying to take down the NCAA. Um, it's like about uh, college basketball. Uh, seems pretty interesting. There's yep. a good um, piece on the ringer by Tyler Tynes about this guy. There's some interesting stuff in the vision section. Probably my most anticipated movie of the festival would be She Dies Tomorrow, directed by Amy Simitz, who previously directed a movie that I've seen but can't recall the title of. Give me one second. I, I like the, the like description slash like tagline, which is Amy thinks she's dying tomorrow. Dot dot dot, and it's contagious, which makes it sound like a movie from like 1998, where like the protagonist character's face is in the is like in the foreground of the poster, and then in the background it's just three guys doing poses. Yes, like the poster for Witzelman's Barcelona. <laughs> Sun Don't yeah. Shine is the name of her previous directorial feature, though she also uh, worked on, in the capacity as a writer-director, on the first two seasons of The Girlfriend Experience. I think those are currently the only two seasons, though there may be another one in the works that she's uh, not involved with. Yes, that she's not involved with. Uh, but yeah, this new movie got a, a great cast. Caitlin Scheel is also in Sun Don't Shine, and she's the lead of this, uh, but also stars Jane Addams, Chris Messina, Katie Azelton, a member of another Mumblecore power couple, uh, Tunde Adebimpe, Josh Lucas, Michelle Rodriguez. Cool cast. And Tucker Oddly. Yeah, there's some other cool casts. Um, Freeland stars Kresha Fairchild, the titular Kresha that we mentioned previously. Uh, she starred in the um, South by Southwest winning movie. Uh, Lily Gladstone is also in that. There's Golden Arm, which is a 
female buddy comedy about a wimpy baker who gets roped into the world of ladies arm wrestling by her truck driving best friend. Uh, the two leads of that are Mary Holland and Betsy Sodaro, both very, very funny. Yeah, great casting. Yeah. Uh, Eugene Cordero, a part of Ninchurla, Ron Funches, Kate Flannery, also in that. Yeah. Um, in and of itself uh, is a... Uh, it, it, it ran off-Broadway for, like, I think a, a year or two. It ran for a while. Uh, and it's like a magic show um, that also is, like, a little bit deeper than that, I believe. Derek Delgadio is the name of the magician who like has written this and it was directed on stage by Frank Oz who has directed a film adaptation of it. Uh, I believe it's just a filmed performance as far as I know. Um, but I'm interested in see how that is. I, I missed that show uh, in New York, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear it got uh, captured because I, I did hear uh, many good things about it. Mm-hmm. There's something called drunk bus that sounds kind of dumb, but it's got, Zach Cherry, Dave Hill, and Kara Hayward, who of course is one of the stars of Moonrise Kingdom. That's a kind of interesting cast. Didn't we have a, there's a kind of interesting cast, but that sounds dumb movie at Sundance. I think I said that about nine days. Which... It seems like every movie here. <laughs> yeah. Seems like South by Southwest is single-handedly keeping the improv scene up funded just a lot of that yep Maybe. i'm very i'm certainly very excited to find out how we're supposed to say the title of tfw no gf is it supposed to be you supposed to say it like that or are you supposed to say that feeling when no girlfriend right i was supposed to pronounce that um of course that's something i'm really uh waiting on waiting on the reports on not waiting on reports on anything else with regards to that movie no i'd be I don't happy think so. to never talk about it again yes there's a midnight section. Uh, biggest thing that's sticking out to me is uh, a couple things are both um, resurfacing. Relic, I heard, was quite good. I don't think we ever talked about that, but that was at Sundance in their midnight section, starring Emily Mortimer. And then The Vigil, which was at uh, Midnight Madness at Toronto. That stars uh, Fred Melamed and Lynn Cohen, who I believe passed away in the last week. Uh, that's about like uh, uh, it's, it sounds like a, it's a set in the Orthodox Jewish community. That could be interesting. There's some TV stuff. Snowpiercer. Yes, the long delayed Snowpiercer television adaptation. Um, finally. <laughs> That has everybody wanted. Yep. We've all been crossing our fingers for. We've all had this date on our calendar. Yep. I believe it ended up is back on TNT. I believe after a brief yep. sojourn to be a TBS show. I mean, I imagine it's so funny. So it had to. I, I mean, all, all, very yes, funny. That's the bar it has to clear. Is very funny. Um, yeah. And now it just knows drama. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you haven't been following the Snowpiercer TV show, it's been in development since, like, fairly shortly after the movie came out. Um, it stars David Diggs, uh, who I believe was cast, like, while he was, like, still in Hamilton, uh, and uh, Jennifer Connelly. Uh, it has been retooled. Uh, Scott Derrickson directed the original pilot and then, like, left and, like, 
has made it very clear that he did not have a good experience making that. Uh, it is now uh, the Graham Mason Manson, excuse me, who uh, ran Orphan Black, uh, is like now the main creative force behind it. Uh, it seems not promising to me. There's Upload, which is a sci-fi comedy from Greg Daniels, but not the one with Steve Carell. Yes. Uh, Robbie Amell is in that, who, uh... Yeah. Much, one of the much, much, yeah, I mean, that's a, a similar kind of name he's got. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie Amell, Steve Carell. <laughs> There's something that sounds weird that Matt Reeves executive produced that has Rebecca Hall, Paul Schneider, and Jonathan Price that is based off of, like, visual art by a Swedish artist named Simon Stalinhag. It's, uh... It explores the town and people who live above the loop, a machine built to unlock and explore the mysteries of the universe. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Justin Roiland yeah. did a show. Justin Roiland did a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> I don't know why that popped into my head. <laughs> I like it. It sounds like it sounds like some Justin Roiland stuff. It seems like it's co-created by a person who used to work on Rick and Morty, would seem. Uh-huh. Does not say here whether it's animated or not. I gotta assume it's animated. I would imagine. I think it is, yes. Um, Lauren Bouchard's new show, Central Park, uh, which is an Apple original, Apple TV Plus original. Mm. Uh, and it's like a full-on musical. Bob's Burgers, of course, has many musical elements, but I don't, I don't know if you classify it as a full musical. Uh, that's got a great cast, and I heard good things out of TCA about it. It's got a great <laughs> cast, with one exception. Notable ruiner of the uh, currently running Armando Iannucci show, at least as far as I've heard, Josh Gad. I will defend He's, Josh Gad, uh, who I think is talented enough, uh, and uh, can carry a tune, and I think uh, maybe gets a little dumped on for reasons that I maybe don't want to explore so much. Uh, Josh Gad, talented enough. Yes. Uh, I mean, the rest of that cast, Leslie Odom Jr., Titus Burgess, Kristen Bell, Stanley Tucci, David Diggs, Catherine Hahn, like, yeah, any great. of those people alone, I think, would make me interested in an animated musical television series, but all of them together, I think, is... Yeah, you know, I like Bob's Burgers from what I've watched. Yeah, Bob's Burgers is great. I've watched like the first three seasons, so I imagine this is good. Uh, Chad by Nassim Pedrad, starring Nassim Pedrad. That is also there. He plays a prepubescent pe Persian boy, which seems like a good premise. I like Pen15, which it had a similar premise. Right. <laughs> Reese Thomas directing that one, who is, uh, I believe, behind uh, uh, one of the creative voices behind Documentary Now uh, in terms of directing, and also uh, John Mulaney in the Sack Lunch Bunch. Uh, he was the director of that. There's a kind of music-based section called 24 Beats Per Second. There's a Ozzy Osbourne documentary that is literally just called Biography with the subtitle. The Nine Lives of Ozzy Osbourne. I can't imagine that being anything but by the numbers. The Nowhere Inn is resurfacing. The 
uh, kind of documentary, mockumentary starring Annie Clark and Carrie Brownstein from Sundance. And then Alex Winter directed a movie about Frank Zappa, which maybe that'll be a little more interesting. There was a, a Frank Zappa documentary a few years ago at it was called the missing something no that's not it i'm thinking of the rithy pond documentary that we talked about a few weeks ago it's called eat that question which that was based off of a lot of uh, interviews and archival footage this new one though is being billed as the first all-access documentary on the life and times of frank zappa Yep. There's a documentary about SoundCloud rappers called American Rap Star. But this one is not produced by Terrence Malick. No, yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, Jose Feliciano behind this guitar is about a famous Puerto Rican singer, most famously known for creating Feliz Navidad. Wow. Sure. <laughs> not a lot of sauce <laughs> There's a relatively extensive section of movies that already played other festivals. I don't know how much we need to talk about that. The yeah, aforementioned you Saved Yourselves. Yourselves. Yep. Two of the three. Victory lap. <laughs> yep. Two of the three um, debut American features from Uncertain Regard last year are playing here. The Climb, which was also at Toronto and Sundance, and then Bull by Annie Silverstein, which that one, I haven't heard anything. Uh, that one hasn't popped up in a little while. I'm not sure if it's where it's played since can. Um, yeah, like Nine Days, Mucho Mucho Amor, Charm City Kings, Boy State. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's about as far as we're going to get into this. The rest of this is like short talking. Yeah. Stuff, which is like, if you thought we had little to say about the rest of these movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah, we maybe we want to just provide a little bit more context, right? South by Southwest is not just solely a movie festival. They have all sorts of other stuff going on. I feel like it's primarily a music festival. Um, and all everything music else. Music and also tech. Right, yeah. Um, so they always have a lot going on, and it sometimes feels like the movies are, you know, a little more on the afterthoughty side. If not, like, I wouldn't call them an afterthought, but um, they're, they're maybe not the main focus coming out of, out, out, out of there. It yeah. seems like... And yet uh, we still managed to talk about it for, like, 45 minutes. Yeah, it seems like all these movies... Uh, could potentially have a review of just like it's pretty fun right <laughs> yeah exactly. which you know I sometimes you want a pretty fun movie and didn't... Yeah. i watched it while on mushrooms and i didn't have a bad time <laughs> that was this gets my south by southwest seal of approval sometimes you'll have high art that transcends the festival like uh the beach bum or <laughs> the others <laughs> why are you trying to provoke this fight now cullen I mean, also, it's no South fight because we all agree on it. So. South by Southwest, uh, as someone who lived in San Antonio, Texas, it takes place in Austin, it would have been more expensive for me to try and see, like, a movie there 
than it was to go to Toronto. It's a incredibly overpriced <laughs> festival, not for the fans. <laughs> yes. So, do we want to move on to the last section of the pod? Yep. Beat rats. Beat rats. Beat rats. Beat rats. It was pretty, pretty good. good. Uh, you want to give a little context on beat rats? Sure. Beach Rats is directed by Eliza Hitman. Her previous film was called It Felt Like Love. Her new film premiered, as I mentioned, at Sundance called Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, was highly acclaimed. It was also put in competition at Berlin. Yeah, this is about a young man who is trying to come to terms with his sexuality. He never in the body of the film admits to being gay, but is interested in men. Yes. Um, he, he specifically says at one point he does not consider himself gay. Uh, and he's trying to come to terms with that and like uh, his, his very masculine friend group Right, and he then he also, yeah. Then they're they're go they go to the beach a lot, hence the title "Beach Rats." Yes. Um, go to the beach. Go to the vape store. Yeah. yeah a lot of a lot of vaping content in this movie. How what was your take on the vaping in this movie, Cullen? Our biggest vaping. I mean, enthusiast. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the fatty clouds were. Uh, no, uh, I mean it's definitely like of that. Um, culture people like going to a vape store and seeing how like big and far they can blow like smoke rings was very like okay it's like a good coloring of these these guys Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think i I really enjoyed harris dickinson's performance it's very good it's a complicated and interesting way Obviously, the movie relies on. Yeah, I'd only seen. Uh, I'd only seen Harris Dickinson in the like first two episodes of that uh, Danny Boyle. Um, oh, the Getty, Getty series movie, trust. or Getty uh. TV show. Um, but I thought he was very, very good at this. Like uh, a really like magnetic, captivating performance. Like while not doing, it's like not super showy. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh. Yes, Joey. Again, it's complicated in ways that you maybe don't expect at the outset. It's like pretty emotional without being like very cry or jelly. It's like there are twists, not exactly twists, but the movie takes turns towards the end that maybe make the movie a little more tense than what I wanted it. Yeah, to be like there. Like... Yeah, I was. I, I had that same kind of thought. Like. um about 20 minutes, I kind of had the thought, like, eh, I kind of know what this is. Pretty good. And then it does kind of become something else towards the end, but it does that in a way that uh, it does add a lot of tension. It also just felt very cruel towards the end in a way that, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's just like one of those things where it's like, I get why you wouldn't think you need to end the movie like that with like a big dynamic conflict for those of you who have watched the movie i'm talking about like the ending like 
set piece or like scene or like sequence of it i don't know how you would describe yeah. it exactly it's like he goes out he meets this person they agree to smoke weed and the way of meeting this person he runs out to his very macho friends who suddenly take an interest and he describes that he frames what he does as like meeting guys to just con them for weed instead of having sex with them which is what he actually does so they he tries to frame it as they're going they're all going to smoke weed with this anonymous gay guy that he found online who who like rightfully has like cold feet about it they go off they they come back together to smoke weed in private but actually he plans with his friends to like rob him of it and like they basically assault this gay person in the mid and like leave them in the middle of a beach. Yeah, his fate unknown by the right. end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, and it's like there are interesting elements of comp- that too. In that, like, up until that point, his like the his, he tended to go for like older men. Uh, those are the types yeah. of men that he was connecting with online. Uh, he sa- says at one point it's because uh, they, they he they won't have anyone in the same social circle as each other is like the reason that he goes for older men. Um, and then this, this, the, the guy who the, they end up like committing the hate crime against essentially, uh, is more in his age group. Um, and mm-hmm. is maybe represents like him making some potential positive steps forward, but then like it sort of backfires and spirals down into this like yeah. really, you know, horrible, uh, tragedy that it ends in. Yeah. I think the part of the movie that I found most interesting, which it kind of drops for this new plotline, is actually the relationship between him and this young woman who he meets, who they, I I think they have an interesting relationship where even if they're, they, they do kind of play it being boyfriend and girlfriend and that ends poorly but it it felt to me like even if there wasn't any sexual interest on his part there was like an actual connection there that it is sad to see that eventually broken mostly by him doing dumb shit i think that the maybe the the moment in the movie that most stuck out to me is on the night where they meet, he's kind of just being an asshole to her all night, and she's just kind of just, she, she remains really into him, and then the point at which he goes, ah, you're an asshole, is the point at which he uh, kind of puts his masculinity into question, even if it's under the guise of, of irony and just being a dick by holding up her bra to his chest and she's been asking him if uh, he thinks that she's pretty and he he parrots that back at her i thought that was a really interesting well-observed moment yeah 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 again the movie is when it's just about his performance it's very good it's like there's an element of like his father is dying at the beginning and then at some point in the, the near the beginning slash middle of it he dies mm-hmm. and there's an interesting element of him having to like cosplay like normalcy mm-hmm. quote-unquote and masculinity by having the girlfriend around right. his mom and his sister who like respond positively to that relationship and having to drop it and then just his life kind of spiraling mm-hmm. out uh, after he just like realizes he can't do that anymore with her 
Right. And I think there's interesting dynamics at play. It's just like, yeah, at, at some point it becomes like too dire in a way that feels cruel to everyone involved. Yeah, and unfortunately I feel like I heard to the extent that there was criticism about Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which there wasn't much, but I do I do recall hearing some slightly similar complaints on the film comment podcast that like at points it starts to feel just a little bit contrived the sort of terrible situations that the characters are put into i will say i really enjoyed the look of the movie i think the cinematography is really good it's got like a sort of a like a little bit of a gauze level on it um yeah uh, you know there's a lot of like obviously like there's gonna be a lot of like homoerotic imagery and stuff in, in this movie but i think it does shoot it at a little bit of a remove that sort of like captures a little bit of the isolation that that uh harris dickinson is feeling in the movie um yeah there Helene is a... Louvart. yes she's really excellent she also shot never really sometimes always she shot alicia rohrwacher's two most recent movies she shot Maya, the most recent Mia Hansen Love movie. Bang, she, bang. <laughs> she actually, she, <laughs> she also has another movie in competition at Berlin, All the Dead Ones, directed by Marco Dutra and Gaetano Gotardo. That's her first collaboration with them. And then yeah. she also I mean, look- shot the upcoming, Alain, or perhaps is currently shooting, the upcoming Alain Girardi movie, the director of Stranger by the Lake and Staying Vertical. That's her first collaboration with him as well. So it seems like she's kind of gaining traction, becoming more popular, working with different directors. Yeah. I was going to say, there's a the first scene, I think, where he kisses a man on a date. That, that scene is shot so, like, incredibly visually. There's, like, these weird, like, focus pulls and close-ups on their faces as they come towards each other that are just like among the most interesting things i've ever seen it's just it's incredibly good looking yeah it has a very sparse score it's oh. just like a couple of tracks yeah, but I, do think I didn't good. really care for that score it it was very I sparse was... it felt just a little bit cloying to me it, it felt kind oh, of I student was... filmy very into the score mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um, yeah. The other thing I'll say about it, it, the look of it is that it like there because there is like a lot of like nudity and sex and stuff in it, and I think it 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 is very difficult to do that stuff where it isn't like very obvious that like you are able to show certain things and not able to show certain things for like the safety of the actors and 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 you know for, and also for like your ratings and all that sort of thing. And I think it does handle all that stuff extremely well. Say Harris Dickinson is a talent. I'm excited to see him get in the souvenir part too yeah presumably yeah. replacing robert pattinson isn't he also the lead of the kingsman prequel yeah he is the king's man yeah he was in maleficent mistress of evil this year oh i would say he's, um... he's also he's also in matthias and maxine the, oh yeah xavier delon the second xavier delon movie to refuse to come out mm-hmm. Is this the uh, first episode where I come out as a Xavier Dolan defender? I like Xavier Having only Dillon. seen Mommy. Oh, well. I, we all like Mommy. Yeah, we all like Mommy. I even like, uh, what's it called? It's Only the End of the World, which was kind of the start of his spiral. It's actually, 
Matthias and Maxim is the third movie to kind of refuse to come out, though uh, the death and life of John F. Donovan finally did at the end of last year. Oh, and uh, Harris Dickinson's also going to be in Ruben Ostlin's new movie, Triangle of Sadness. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll say that um, just from like some basic uh, looking into what people thought of her previous movie, uh, it seems like the common, like the consensus on all of her movies is like an upward trajectory. Like people kind of liked the first one, people liked Beach Rats a little bit more, and people are really into Never Really, Sometimes Always. So I'm excited to see that now, even more so than I already was. Mm hmm. Yeah, th those are basically all my thoughts on beach rats. It's a uh, small but exciting. Yeah. I can see her cleaning yeah. up some of the problems I have with it. Yeah, she won. It looks like she she, she won best director at Sundance for it. Okay, that sounds um, right. Uh, so yeah, it was it definitely like I remember. Yeah, it popped up in a few like end of year lists and things like that. Yeah, that year. It was got a, a couple of independent spirits nominations. It was a new directors, new films. The fairly prestigious festival that um uh film at lincoln center then film society of lincoln center puts on uh, around early spring uh at the gotham harris dickinson was nominated for breakthrough mm -hmm. that sounds right. sounds very reasonable did he win no it does not he did let me see. You got the other noms for me? Let me see. I think I can find those for you. Right? There. It was 2015. Or 16? I think it was 16. 17. 17, 17. Timothy Chalamet won for Call Me oh, By Your Name. Sure. And he was. Hard to beat that one. He, he was nominated along Mary J. Blige for Mudbound, Kevin ha Kelvin Harrison Jr. for It Comes at Night, and Brooklyn Prince for The Florida Project. Mm -hmm. Solid so, stack. Bigger name competition there, but it, I mean, for how small Beach Rat seemed to be, that is certainly yeah. a good shout. Also, a very like basic thing to compliment an actor for. Incredible accent work for being a non-American. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It doesn't ring false, yeah, especially absolutely. since he's very specifically from Brooklyn. Yes. He doesn't seem different from the other people in it. There's maybe like a look contrast, but I think it works for the movie that he is maybe a little more actory and pretty than yeah, the rest like, of the people around. Right. Every time he goes on like the sort of cam site, everyone's like, oh, what's up, pretty boy? Mm -hmm. And all his friends are like, less so. <laughs> You want to talk shit about the other actors in Beach Rats? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Beach Rats. Yeah, streaming on uh, Hulu now in America. If you're, uh, if you have that available to you. Um, Does ne Neon has a Hulu deal? deal I right? believe so. Yes. yes. Yeah. Right. That is. We forgot to mention it is another Neon picture. Um, we've been talking about Neon a lot uh, last yeah. couple of weeks, uh, and it looks like that'll probably continue moving forward. Yeah. I will say I heartily recommend it. Yeah, Absolutely. worth a watch. Yep, it's short. It's a hundred and it's ninety-eight minutes. Actually. Could have yeah. been a little shorter. I, I don't actually like that criticism, but 
<laughs> Can't resist an opportunity to be snarky. If we didn't have snark, what would we be? You go to the beach, you gotta watch out for snark. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... Oh, no. <laughs> on that note... I am Jesse Weber. You can find me on Twitter at J-P-G-L-I-C-K-W-E-B-B-E-R. And you can find our podcast Twitter at Can I Kick It? Just the name of the podcast with no spaces. I'm Andy Gramiga. You can find me on any social media platform you like uh, at Andy T. Germ. Uh, yeah. Friend Andy on Facebook. Please do. I definitely <laughs> will confirm you. I'm Cullen Atchley at Clatchley on Twitter and Letterbox, C L A T C H L E Y. Get that in there to make up for last week where I was uh, thrown some serious shade by not being plugged by who I thought were my friends. <laughs> <laughs> you can, f yeah. I'm Emilio Diaz. You can find me at Emilio and Diaz. E M I L I O A N D D I. AZ on the Twitters. Alright. And I guess as our prediction this week, will Cullen still be mad at us about the Twitter thing next week? I say yes. Oh. Uh, I think I say yes. Uh, will we predict uh, what comes out of South by Southwest that no one cares about but is <laughs> talked about as the greatest thing at the festival? Uh, uh, I don't know. I feel like are gonna like that Pete Davidson movie and then it's gonna yeah, stop. Yeah, it's gonna be the Judd Avatar, absolutely. Yeah. Funny people forever innocent. And with that, I think it's time to release our audience. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 We want to take a little pause for that plane. Yeah. Seems to be like a single engine, like small plane. Uh oh. Like weirdly flying. <laughs> Coming down. Low to the Helio, get out of there! <laughs> Did we at some point mention that South by Southwest uh, is incredibly overpriced? <laughs> oh. Go right ahead. I mean, yeah, we, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we also, like, haven't mentioned that, like, it's, like, also, like, a music festival and all these other things at the yeah. same time. I have, yeah, I mean, I just feel like maybe we should count some of our, uh, like, small enthusiasm for everything. It's like, this is not a big festival. We just had to find something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think going, what else? What else? Uh, <laughs> there's a documentary about David Arquette. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think this is the part you put in at the end. Yes, <laughs> I think so. I'm gonna clap. <laughs> <laughs>